I'm Sherry Minnelli. And I'm Diane Downey. We're from EarthFriendlyHomeowner.com. And we love healthy soil, clean water, fresh air, and growing healthy food. We're inspired to help heal our local community as well as our planet. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today, Earth Friendly Homeowner Podcast. Um, today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Amy Cox from ProTime Lawn Seed. And the reason that I wanted to speak to Amy is because they have a range of products that very much fit in line with our organic approach to keeping a lawn here in Southern California. So welcome, Amy. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. So, Amy, tell me a little bit about ProTime Lawn Seed. Yes, well, our company dates back from 1979, a real Portland institution. Um, and several years ago, our founder was looking to retire, and at that time, we came across his old seed shop while volunteering for a, a local garden club that was restoring a historic home and grounds. And we were really impressed with our founder's vision for eco lawns the first of which was Fleur de Lawn, um, our bestseller, uh, which debuted in the late 1980s. He was way ahead of his time, and we knew we had found a very cool company that needed to continue, and we wanted to spread the word about a different way to create and maintain environmentally friendly green spaces. Oh, fantastic. That sounds really good. So tell me about Fleur de Lawn, because I bought a bag of it for my lawn just recently. Yes, Fleur de Lawn, again, our, our bestseller, uh, was developed in collaboration with Oregon State University horticulturalist Tom Cook, who was inspired by the estate lawns of Cape Cod. Um, and it's very similar to the Beverly Hills estate lawn um, in that, you know, these are gen- genetically diverse uh, species uh, that we put in these lawns. They require less water than conventional lawns. They usually include nitrogen-fixing legumes like clovers and, in our case, microclover, and result in an overall green effect. So, um, so the estate lawn that we talk, we talk about is the whole idea that in the last, I don't know, 20 years, we've been kind of led to believe that the lawn has to be this single species of grass and have no flowering components in it whatsoever. Whereas in the past, the lawn was actually a mix of lots of different varieties. Yes, and what we have found, uh, we've done a lot of research into this, but one of the great cool stories we found was in the New York Times from 1912. Um, just uh, It was an article written by a horticulturalist, of, you know, famous uh, for his time in New York City, and talking about adding clover to lawn to you know, reap the benefits of those nitrogen-fixing legumes um, and uh, reducing the need for water and fertilizer. In many cases, uh, those legumes keep uh, the grasses green longer in the summer and bring mm-hmm. them back sooner um, in the fall and sometimes keep them from going dormant altogether um, and just really reducing uh, the amount of inputs required for those lawns. And somewhere right. along the way, we, we kind of lost track of that and um, planted monocultures in our lawns. And I think mm-hmm. what we're realizing now is we need to bring back those species to uh, you know, help the environment and help, help ourselves as well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the way that we would approach this is to say, you know, the first thing is to stop applying any chemicals to the lawn, no more weed and feed, because we we want uh, healthy soil apart from anything to 
to get that lawn well established. And every time we start applying these chemicals, we're killing off the good stuff in the soil. And then we would say to uh, dethatch and aerate, um, and maybe uh, top up with some worm castings just to give the soil biology a little bit of a boost. And then overseeding an existing lawn, is that, is that what your product is able to do? Some of our products are good candidates for overseeding an existing lawn. Certainly you can get some of those ecology lawn benefits if you're overseeding just even a conventional lawn. Um, some are not as good a candidates. Those would include our ecology lawns with flowers. Those flower seeds are very, very small and tend to get shaded out by any existing vegetation. So we do recommend that those are started on bare soil. But certainly we have um, several different mixes, um, including our ProTime 769 Rough and Ready and our ProTime 767 Dog Park. Um, those are two really great mixes um, for overseeding an existing lawn. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so that's another hot topic is that everybody wants to, if they're going to keep a bit of lawn, it's typically because they want their dogs to be able to play on it. So tell me about the, the dog friendly lawns that you have and why, what makes them that way? Yes. Uh, well, I see many of our lawns are dog friendly, but we came up specifically with uh, uh, ProTime 767 Dog Park um, because we have so many customers uh, coming to our shop and asking us for solutions, and, and one of them is for, for dogs and pets. And um, the dog park is the base is turf-type tall fescue, which is all the cool season grasses, which is what we sell here in, in our shop. And um, these cool season grasses do uh, very well in conjunction with uh, clovers and other species in these mixes. But the tall fescues um, are particularly good at combating the uh, effects of dog urine, and the salt in the urine is really kind of the offensive part uh, mm -hmm. for lawns, and tall fescues uh, tend to handle that better than other grasses. Um, and then we also add the microclover, which by virtue of the shape of its leaf, tends to shed any kind of um, botting that might occur on it. And then we also include a rhizominous tall fescue in that mix, which has this ability to knit back together when spots are created. So all of these species kind of work together to kind of combat the ill effects of, of our pets. Um, and it also creates a beautiful green lush lawn. Fantastic. Now, around here, San Diego County anyway, we're looking at applying, having to apply about 50 inches a year to keep that lawn uh, looking good of water. And given that we only get 10 inches on average in a good year, that's a lot of supplemental irrigation. Do you know approximately how much water the, these lawn mixes might take or what the water saving is? You know, uh I know that it's far less than um, conventional turf grass. Okay. I will say that studies into that area are, are difficult because there's so many variables. Right. You know, the, the, the soil uh, makeup, um, the humidity, uh, temperature, um, yes. and then the type of seed that you're using and mm -hmm. what kind of other species are included. So I don't have any hard numbers on that, but we do know that our lawns, by and large, uh, will stay greener longer um, into the summer season and green up sooner in the fall. We do expect um, our grasses to go dormant uh, when they're not irrigated, but that's okay. 
that's how mm-hmm. they're supposed to act. And it's the okay. other species in the mix that kind of pick up the slack and stay green all summer, uh, giving you that overall green effect. Got it. Got it. Now, you said that you had some, some success stories from, from people down here in Southern California. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Well, uh, you know, California is probably one of our um, uh, areas where we have the, some of the most customers. Um, mm-hmm. We have years of experience with our ecology lawn customers. They were early adapters to alternative lawns. Mm-hmm. Um, California, Californians are legendary trendsetters, and I think the American lawn is no exception to their influence. Our customers are by and large economically and ecologically minded, mm-hmm. and find us through their research for low-maintenance, right. low-input alternatives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these eco-lawns require far less water, less fertilizer, less maintenance, which is really a win-win for us and the environment. Most of our California customers are finding us uh, to convert conventional lawn to eco-lawn. And I think that it's a, it's a bit of a challenge, especially in those areas where there are water restrictions. Right. It does take some water to establish an ecology lawn, mm-hmm. but once established, um, those can be quite successful all the way through California, all the way to the south. Right, right. And, and that, you know, that extra water that's needed during the establishment of a new landscape is, is kind of legendary. Um, and the trick is to know when your landscape is kind of gotten established or your lawn has gotten established so you start backing off the water and I think a lot of people get stuck in that kind of establishment phase and still use the same amount of water which is kind of unfortunate but uh, yeah that sounds really interesting so what else would you like to share with us about eco lawns and uh, your lawn seed mixes well, we like to, you know, we feel that there's really no um, real alternative to a lawn. And by that, I mean that it performs some, some great functions. You know, it produces mm-hmm. oxygen. It reduces dust. It modifies our temperatures, um, mm-hmm. keeps things cooler, uh, filters water. It's wonderful for recreation and for beauty. And we want people to be able to have their lawns, but also be environmentally uh, conscious and be good stewards of the land. And I think that is achievable with alternative lawns and just perhaps altering the aesthetic of what that lawn is to look like. Um, What I like about ecology lawns is that diversity. You know, your best defense against weeds or or plants that you don't like um, is to get a nice, dense, solid stand. And with those uh, grasses in combination with uh, clovers and other plants, the nitrogen-fixing aspect keeps those plants um, perfectly uh, fed. And then you get a nice stand, and it's very difficult then for other broadleaves or undesirables uh, to pop up in there. We really like to work with our customers, too, about selecting the seed mix that best suits their needs and their aesthetic. You know, we kind of start with, do you have sun or shade? How mm-hmm. do you use your area? Um, do you want a pop of color? Are you trying to invite pollinators? And by going through kind of these series of questions, we can get down to exactly, you know, the kind of lawn that people want that can also be good for the environment. Right. So could you talk a little bit more about pollinators? So if I, if I think that that's really important to attract pollinators into my yard, what sort of things should I be looking out for? 
Yes, well, uh, clovers certainly, which is the backbone to all of our ecology lawns, um, those do bloom, and they they can bloom quite profusely, really. And Mm -hmm. so by virtue of that alone, you will be attracting pollinators. But then we have other mixes that also includes flowers and herbs. Um, Fleur de lawn perhaps is one of our biggest pollinator draws of the mixes that we have. We see lots of pictures of uh, customers actually planting them around uh, vegetable beds. Uh, mm-hmm. just to kind of keep the dust and dirt down um, in the mud and um, also attracting bees um, to, their, to their gardens. So it's, it's, an, it's good to be uh, creative about the use of some of these uh, mixes and where you can put them for your benefit. Cool. So, yeah, by attracting pollinators into your garden, if you've got something like a vegetable bed, then you'll see higher yields because you've got more pollination going on, right? Yeah. You're also attracting the beneficial insects. So if you've got problem insects that are doing damage to your vegetable gardens or your landscape plants, then those beneficial insects oftentimes will be the force that fights them off. So that's that's really useful. So, I, you know, I love to see the bees and the butterflies and the insects, but some people say to me, oh, I don't want bees in my garden. I guess some people are very allergic to them. So is there something that we can do to kind of minimize uh, the possibility of getting stung by bees? Well, and we do have some mixes that contain um, just grasses and clovers, and those are the ones I suggest for people who are concerned about that. Again, the clovers will bloom, but typically you can mow off the bloom. Just set your mower blade just a little bit lower um, Mm -hmm. than the height of those flowers. And sure, there's going to be the occasional bloom underneath the mower blade, but typically you can mow them off. Many times they bloom at the same time. uh, Around Portland, it's around June. Um, Mm -hmm. And you can, um, you know, keep the kids off of it for a little while uh, while that's happening and mow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And typically what, do you have any recommendations as to what height to set your mower? Yes. Well, with ecology lawns, we like to keep those between two and five inches. Typically over five inches for our ecology lawns. Eventually, the grasses will grow so tall that they shade out other species, and mm-hmm. they don't they don't persist. So our lawns are by and large meant to be mowed. We do like to distinguish between a functional lawn that is mowed and wild areas or true meadows. We like to have our lawns functional, suitable for play, leisure, and pets. And we also have uh, meadow mixes, of course, that would grow taller. But for lawns, it's a really healthy height between two and five inches. Right. And my my understanding and my observation is that oftentimes we mow our lawns much closer than two inches. And it always seems to me that we're almost scalping the lawns when we when we mow them. So that sounds like we would definitely need to pay attention to what height we've got the blade set if we're doing it ourselves. And also or talking to our gardener, maintenance person to make sure that they have the message that the blade should be set a little higher. Yes, I agree. And I also think it's important to, you know, time the mowing for when the lawn needs it. Um, I know a lot of maintenance professionals want to come around once a week or every two weeks um, and mow it whether or not it's required. And I think that's something we really should work on and and try to look at our lawns and, and do only what is needed. 
Um, particularly right. in the summer with ecology lawns, many times they don't really need to be mowed at all. Uh, they right. are designed for low or no water, um, and when they're not getting water, they don't grow. Um, so it would be good to just, you know, have the, the landscapers take a break uh, during, the, during the summer months. Right, that's good advice, really. And it, as you say, it runs so counterproductive to the way that our kind of maintenance system is set up, certainly here in San Diego County, where the maintenance guys just want to come on a, on a schedule and do, do their regular things without really looking at the plants themselves and what they need. So there needs to be a, a mindset change there. I would say that that goes for water, too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, many people do just set their um, irrigation system uh, to water, you know, once a week or right. you know, twice a week. And really um, what we recommend is that if you are going to water, that you water deeply yes. but infrequently. And I think that takes, a, you know, looking at your lawn. We like to use the step test. Um, I like my lawns to go into distress. And that means um, when I step on it and it's not bouncing back, then I know it's time for a good deep water. And then okay. I may not water again for weeks and weeks. But you want to make sure that that lawn goes into distress because what that does is it drives the roots down deep looking for water rather than resting on the surface uh, where they're vulnerable to changes in temperature. Right. That's a good point too. I mean, typically the turf grass around here, as you say, it gets, it gets watered so frequently that the root depth is, you know, a couple inches, maybe four inches if you're lucky. And that's not what we want in our grasses. We want them to have good, good solid roots, good long roots. I think that also talks to the need to have soil that's not really highly compacted, which again is another problem that we have. So making sure that the soil preparation is being done properly beforehand. Interesting, interesting. Do you have any recommendations as to what kind of lawn mowers people should be looking to use or is that not an area you've looked at? I would say that's not my area. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's good. Yeah. yeah, no, no worries at all. I mean, I I do know myself that the recommendation is that we use a mulching mower. So that's a mower that uh, cuts the lawn and then chops all the little bits up a little bit finer and then puts it back into the lawn. So you're actually not taking all those grass clippings away. I agree really, with you there. I think leaving the mulch on top is uh, really beneficial to the lawn. And right. especially when you have uh, certain types of ecology lawns too, it um, can be self-seeding. If there are mm-hmm. annuals included in the mix and those uh, flowers have come up and bloomed and set seed, leave them right on top because then they'll reseed again for the following year. Yeah, that's a wonderful reason to get a mulching mower. Um, and unfortunately, many of the maintenance companies around don't have those those kinds of mowers and so it might actually be worth people investing in their own mower if they're going to get a maintenance service to come and do it or to switch to doing it yourself because then you have way more control over when it actually gets mowed and when it gets watered as you say and you actually get to know your grass a bit um, you know in depth (laughs) and then I think you have better control over it so maybe that's the answer really not to 
not to outsource that piece of your landscape. People can find your product at protimelawnseed.com. That's right. That yes. Right? <laughs> Wonderful. And you, you answer the phone and talk to people about how, helping them select their seed? We do, and we can certainly do it by email as well, um, info at protimelawnseed.com. We answer every day. We're very timely about that. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Amy. That is really useful information, not just for myself, but I'm sure for many people in San Diego County and beyond who are struggling with this idea of like, I want to have a little bit of lawn for my pets, for my kids, for my grandkids, but I also want to save water and do the right thing for the environment. Thanks for listening to the Earth Friendly Homeowner Podcast. Let us know if you have any questions or comments on our website at earthfriendlyhomeowner.com. Please subscribe to our podcast and we would love for you to give us a review of the podcast. 